Well, here's a legitimate question. A listener asked, Dan, how can I share my happiness when everyone else is so sad? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in. This is 48 Days, your radio show, where each week we take about 48 minutes to dive into real-life questions about finding your purpose, your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day excited to be able to do something that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Now, if you're brand new, you may be wondering why 48 minutes, why 48 days is the name of the show. Well, that comes from years ago where I discovered the magic of having a specific number in which to expect people to make dramatic changes in their life. You know, I'd meet with people, we'd map out a new career direction for them. And two years later, I run into them and they're still waiting till, you know, things are just right. Waiting till all the lights are green, waiting till another child graduates from high school or till they finish a degree or till they get a promotion. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So it came out of that where I wanted there to be a specific time frame in which people could move through certain steps and go right into dramatically redirect, realign, go into new seasons of success in their lives. So that's why that is 48. And 48 minutes just kind of stays true to the brand and it seems to be a pretty workable number here. I ask often, should it be longer? Should it be shorter? And I've never had anybody say it should be shorter. So there are people who talk about longer, but I think 48 minutes works pretty well. So we're gonna kind of stick to that. Our business partners today are FreshBooks and Gusto. Now, that's a new name you've not heard me talk about before. If you have any employees at all, or even just yourself, maybe you and your wife, you and your husband, you know, just the two of you, stick around. I'm going to be telling you about what Gusto is all about. You're going to want to know. Here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. Back to interesting questions. Last week, I had kind of a central theme where we unpacked that. Hope you enjoyed that. Heard from lots of you. Thanks for your comments on that. We'll get updates on that young man's situation as we move ahead. Some of the questions for today. Dan, I'm 66 and a half, and I'm thinking I'm ready for retirement, but I don't want to retire yet as my youngest son is attending Texas A&M and has two more years left. All right, here's another one. I just was able to secure my amicable release from the company I was at for over 11 years. That's a follow-up to a listener question we had two weeks ago. I'm going to tell you about what the situation was then and what it is now. And then the question I kind of opened with this, how do I share my happiness without feeling guilty around all these sad people? Boy, that's a great question. You know, if things are really going well for you, do you ever feel like you have maybe an unfair advantage or feel a little bit of guilt when you hear about how miserable everybody else's life is? Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. And then somebody wants to know, how would I create a resume if I've not been employed for over four years? We can help you fill the gap there. Not a gap really at all. As long as you're breathing, you have Skills that you've been refining, developing, things you can bring to the table that have value to a company moving forward. So our quotation today comes from Abraham Lincoln. 
I'm going to have a couple things in the good news that deal with um, historical figures. So I thought I'd just stay with that theme. So I chose a, a quotation from Abraham Lincoln, and it deals with this happiness issue. Abraham said, folks are usually about as happy as they make their minds up to be. Now, what do you think? Is it really just a decision to be happy? Or is it a result of having circumstances around you that are totally in alignment? where things are really working smoothly, then you can be happy. Well, we've got the chicken and the egg there. We'll look at that. But a call to action for this week then is choose to be happy this week. Just make the choice to be happy. You'll be surprised how your mind, body, and spirit will reflect that as well. All right. Let me tell you about our business partners, Fresh Books. You hear me talk about them? I mean, I, I know what it's like to have to wade through receipts. Try to remember what you did three months ago. Well, don't do that. Be up to date by using fresh books. Do yourself a favor. Stop digging through old receipts before you completely disappear under that abyss of paperwork. Just check out FreshBooks cloud accounting software. Not only is it going to save you a ton of time and stress, it might actually change the way you feel about dealing with your finances. I mean, that's really the benefit for me. Instead of me dreading it, and avoiding it, now nah, it's kind of nice to have clean monthly statements. It makes taxes at the end of the year really easy, frankly. Talked to my CPA the other night at an art party we were at together. But uh, boy, it's a pretty much a breeze to go through the annual taxes because I have such accurate records month by month by month. I encourage you to do the same. This fresh books is ridiculously easy to use. It's made for people like me, like maybe you, who don't like dealing with numbers and their taxes. Right now, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my 48 Days listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days, enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash 48 days, and then enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section. Now, our other business partner, is a kissing cousin. This is Gusto. Now, this is a new sponsor for us. Gusto helps you with payroll. If you've got any employees at all, I mean, we know payroll and benefits are hard, especially for small businesses. You don't have the time to be an expert in things like taxes and regulations. And when it comes to paying employees, that's, that's a different issue than just personal accounting. Old school Payroll providers just aren't built for some of the things that are applicable today. So Gusto is making payroll benefits, human resources easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Um, Fit Small Business Magazine, PC Magazine, have called Gusto the best payroll system for small businesses. Gusto makes payroll a breeze. Nine out of 10 users say Gusto is easier to use than other payroll solutions. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run payroll. Once you have the people's names in there and know what you're, how you're going to pay them, boy, it does it really, really quickly. Uh, just You can Google Gusto and see how people are talking about it. You know, how often do you actually love your payroll provider? Well, the customers of Gusto do. So, most small businesses don't have a human resource expert. You don't need to use one with Gusto. With great software, great service, you can focus on your business, not payroll and paperwork. 
You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service for your team. So here's the deal. Now, this helps support our show as well. We love having them as a new sponsor. Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free. That's a really long period of time. Three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash 48 days. Again, just you can sign up today. Get three months free once you run your first payroll. Go to gusto.com slash 48 days. Now, I, I say these, I have these two together. This doesn't replace FreshBooks. This is strictly for payroll and benefits. And it integrates beautifully with FreshBooks. So it automatically syncs with Gusto. So there's no need then to manually record payroll back in FreshBooks. It automatically syncs. So they're kissing cousins, a tryout Gusto. All right, we got some good news as always here. Here's a guy who saved some ancient books from a dumpster. And then months later, he kind of checked them out and found a pretty amazing inscription. Now this is a deal. In a small town near Lake Tahoe, one man's trash turned out to be another man's incredible piece of American history. Back in December of 2014, this is some time ago that this actually started. Max Brown was rummaging through a dumpster for a community service project when he spotted a pile of ancient books hidden under some thrown out cassette tapes. As it started to rain, the 37-year-old grabbed up as many of the books as he could carry and took them to safety. I mean, he's like, like, like I am, you know, I see old books and I, man, I want to look at them to see if there's anything really significant there. I love the wisdom that's stored in old books. And I just love the, the look, the feel, the smell of old books. So it started to rain, but he gathered up as many as he could. Now for six months, really more than that, the collection of decrepit volumes sat on his shelf in Incline Village until one day he and a friend just decided to crack them open, check out the delicate pages. However, as they started doing this, there was a message written on the inside of the front cover of a couple of these books. Two of the books he found handwritten inscriptions that said, from the library of Thomas Jefferson. Now, excited about the prospect of owning a piece of American history, he reached out to several appraisers to get the signature verified. One of the appraisers told him the handwriting didn't match and the books were fake. However, several months later, he was watching Pawn Stars. Have you ever watched that show? I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. I don't know. I think it's a guy and a couple sons, and people bring things in to have them appraised and see if they can turn them into money. And somebody brought in on the show, he saw somebody bring in several volumes that belonged to Thomas Jefferson. And the inscriptions looked identical to the ones that he had. So he started researching Thomas Jefferson's literary habits and learned a couple important facts. Jefferson would often initial the pages of his personal books, and when rebinding them, he would put the first page of the text into the middle. Both of Brown's books had that done, where the first page of the text was in the middle, and then he had the signature in the front. Well, he thought maybe there is something to this, so he emailed an expert at Jefferson's presidential library and asked if she could verify the book's origins. The woman declared that they had indeed been purchased in 1818 by Thomas Jefferson. Same guy who authored the Declaration of Independence. Well, Brown auctioned the books off ultimately for $8,000. Uh, you know, just a cool story about how 
Sometimes somebody else's trash can be your treasure. I mean, I love seeing things that can be recycled, things that somebody throws out that they think have, has no value, and somebody discovers that it really did. We had a story on here, Callie, not too long ago about somebody who had an Indian blanket that turned out to be extremely valuable. But I love those stories. Well, here's another old historian. You can read Leonardo da Vinci's to-do list from 1490. Now think about that. That's a long time ago. Of course, that was not in the United States. We don't know much about what happened here before, you know, later years than that. 1490. Now, Leonardo da Vinci is a personal favorite of mine. I'm intrigued by this man and by the things that he invented, the things that he imagined long before they they were ever possibilities. Now, most of our to-do list, you know, have, gee, pick up the dry cleaning, you know, go by the bank, go to the post office. Well, his to-do list has some rather peculiar things on it. A few of the chores on his to-do list included calculate the measurement of Milan and suburbs. Discover the measurement of the Castello, the Duke's palace itself. Get the master of arithmetic to show you how to square a triangle. Um... Ask Maestro Antonio how mortars are positioned on bastions by day or night. Find a master of hydraulics and get him to tell you how to repair a lock, canal, and mill in the Lombard manner. Ask about the measurement of the sun promised by Maestro Giovanni Franceschi. Wow, those are the kind of things that he had on his to-do list. Now, I happen to have a group of people coming here in just a couple of weeks, and we're going to spend a couple of days brainstorming, and we're the theme is going to be how to think like Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci. Now, I have a list of 100 quotations from da Vinci, and I've asked each of the participants coming to choose three of those and be prepared to share why they chose them, what effect it had on them, and how they can use that in their interactions with other people. I also have purchased a selection of models of the things that Leonardo da Vinci invented that we're going to put together. Now, how long has it been since you sat down and put together a model? I used to enjoy putting together cars when I was a kid, just the meticulous work, putting cars together. Joanne actually joined me in that when we met as teenagers and uh, she built some of the little cars as well to learn about an interest of mine. But it's been a long time since I put a model together. So I have these models. I'm going to separate people up into groups of three or four and give them models. So I've got models of the helicopter, the catapult, the pendulum clock, roller bearing machine, a couple other kind of things. We're going to have fun because I'm convinced that it'll tap into another part of our brains and help us be more creative than we typically are. It's so easy to just think intellectually about problems. But I think that if you get your hands in something, it can tap into a different part of your brain. I'll give you an update on that after it happens, but I'm looking forward to how to think like Leonardo da Vinci. We were privileged a couple of years ago, Joanna and I were in Chicago and went to through a port of a, a a moving museum. I'm not sure what they called it, but it was very elaborate. And it was absolutely breathtaking to see the actual machines that he developed way ahead of his time and how they changed the military, other scientific inventions, you know, things. I mean, it really changed the course of history. Some of the things that he, he just never saw things as impossible. I guess that's what I admire about him. He just, he'd think about something and there's got to be a way to do that. I mean, think about thinking up, imagining 
a helicopter and inventing that before it was ever done. That's a very radical departure, even from what airplanes are, to think about doing that. But he imagined it, and he said, there's got to be a way to do it. Well, here's an interesting story. He's 63, just joined the Navy, and says, I'm in my prime. Now, when most people enter their 60s, incidentally, this was sent to us by podcast listener Patricia. So thank you for that, Patricia, sending this in. So here's a guy, 63 years old, and he just joined the Navy. When most people enter their 60s, they start thinking about retirement. Dr. Tyrone Krauss decided it was a perfect time to start a new career. At age 63, the heart surgeon from Skillman, New Jersey, joined the Navy after receiving a waiver that permitted him to enter the reserves a year past the typical age limit because people with his skills are in demand. Sometimes I say to myself, how did I get into this? Why don't I just relax and sit in my backyard and drink some beer? But that's not my style. I've always been on the move, and hopefully I'll always be on the move, Krauss said. I feel surgically I'm in my prime. I could still operate very well, and if I can give back and help some of our young men and women in the military, that's what I want to do. So he was just commissioned. His 27-year-old daughter, Laura, actually performed the commissioning ceremony. I mean, that's a special touch as well. But uh, that's a, a neat story. You know, somebody 63 years old, a surgeon, and rather than just taking his leisure and doing nothing, actually joined the Navy. God reminds me of, what's the White Christmas, where the old general wants to go back into the army, and they send him a letter to kind of, you know, graciously trying to tell him he's just too old and how disappointing it was. Well, I guess things are changing, but I like to see somebody at 60 years old carve out the path, a new path in their career. You know, it's never too old. I did an interview just today about this issue and about how many people feel like they've somehow reached the age of being too old. We got a couple of questions coming up here that really reflect that as well. But Kelly, it's, it's never too late to have a new beginning. You can draw a line in the sand and decide what it is you want to do, how you're going to get there. It doesn't matter if you're 18 or 68 or 78, you know, just it's never too late to have a new beginning. Well, let's go into some of the questions here and we'll kind of uh, unwind that thinking as well. This comes from Wanda in League City, Texas. She's the one that says I'm 66 and a half and I'm thinking I'm ready for retirement. I don't want to retire yet as my youngest son is attending Texas A&M and has two years remaining in, in his field as a geologist. My work doesn't bring me any new challenges. I'm in accounts payable, no raise in this field for over 10 years, except the across the board raises. Um, I'm tr afraid to try something new for just a couple of years and pursuing updating my skills for PowerPoint, Excel, I like retail shops, antiques, decorating, gardening, and crafts of just about any kind. I love the auction shows, American Pickers, so on. Um, where should I start looking to get more energy from my work? Well, start by following your passion, Wanda. I mean, that's a great question. The way you laid it out here, and you've got a whole lot of things that you can pick up on and explore. Now, let me back up a little bit here because you say you're 66 and a half. You're thinking about retirement and the only reason you're thinking about continuing to work is because you've got a son who's still in college. Here's my prediction. If you take this time to really take a fresh look at who you are, where you're going, what your unique skills are, what your dreams and passions are, your purpose, your calling, I mean, those kind of things. And those kind of, you've got so much 
wealth of experience from which to draw. At 66 and a half, you've got a lot of information to give you clarity. If you really get that figured out and create a clear focus, you're going to find something you enjoy so much, you're not going to work for just two years. You're going to blow past the time you thought you were going to retire because you're doing something that has purpose and value and it gives you a reason to get up in the morning. People who have a, a clear purpose and an engagement of their passion in their work do not retire. Trust me, they do not retire. People retire because they want to stop doing what they're doing. Well, what if you figured out a way to really engage your strongest passions and purpose in what you're doing? Retirement loses its appeal. And we see people who are 90, 95 years old who continue to go to work, not because they need the money, but because they need the purpose. They need the value of doing work that's meaningful. So I would say, welcome this time. Now, for one thing, 66 years old, my goodness, what if you live another 30 years? I mean, I don't know what your family history is, but, but here's a couple of things that'll be a strong predictors of how long you live. If you retire, you essentially have told your body, I don't need you anymore. Look at what happens to people when they retire. I mean, I can think of people right now who retired two years ago. And in that two years, they've aged 20 years because they have no purpose. They're just, they thought they were rewarding themselves. What they did was give themselves a death sentence. Now, I know there's a lot of different situations and you may want to slow down and do things a little differently and all. But again, I see people who, and, and, and if people find something that is enjoyable, then you're telling your body, hey, I need you. Stay in shape. You know, we don't need all those aches and pains that other people are talking about. And you continue going. I would hate to think about, let's just say that you aren't going to live that long. You're only going to live 20 more years. Do you really want to spend 20 years doing nothing? I mean, I can't think of anything more miserable than that. Just trying, I mean, I, Joanna and I go down to Florida frequently. You know, I see these people and I think, good night. The highlight of their day is trying to decide where to go for lunch. I don't want to live like that. I want to get up in the morning knowing that I have meaningful things to do aside from making money. I mean, it may be something that you do where you are a volunteer. It doesn't require that you earn income, but it requires that you have a purpose. So I would encourage you to look at it like that. And you can take, when you say, what should you start looking at to get more energy from your work? Start taking those things that you enjoy, retail shops, antiques, decorating, gardening, crafts. I mean, explore those things. If you're working on accounts payable, I mean, you're probably not making big bucks. So look at those things that, that really you're passionate about and look at creative ways you can engage in those. I mean, golly, if you're manager of a little gardening and crafts shop in your local town, you ought to be able to duplicate your current salary and perhaps more with bonuses for a job well done. You say you love the auction shows, American Pickers. So do I. My gosh, that's the one show late at night. I love to just scroll through. I never get tired of watching Mike and Frank out there, you know, finding deals. Talk about finding uh, treasure in other people's trash. But I love that. I also love the integrity where they often will find a piece and the person says, oh, I want $40 for that. And Michael say, nah, you're really a little shy on that. You know, I'd give you a hundred for this because it's worth more. I love that about him. Incidentally, Mike lives right here in Franklin. I ran into him recently at the 
at the Franklin Post Office, driving a 1937 international pickup truck that he just restored. Anyway, cool guy. Now, here's another question that's kind of related to this. This comes from Marie in Nevada City, California. How would I create a resume if I've not been employed for over four years? I'm 70 years old, healthy, active, and want to earn a little extra money. I don't wish to stay home with my retired husband cooking three meals a day for him. Thank you, Marie. There you go. You know, why do husbands do that? Come on, give me a break. So the husband retires, and then what he does is up the workload for his wife. I mean, how's that a fair deal for anybody? Well, I don't blame you at all, Marie, for wanting to do something to earn a little extra money. Now, here's the deal. If you've been unemployed for four years, it doesn't really matter. Look at what you've done. I don't know what you did prior to that, but look at that. And in addition to the things you've done in the last four years, you may have been involved in some of the things that, um, golly, some of the things that Wanda was mentioning in the previous question. Have you been shopping in antique shops, decorating, gardening, crafts, going to auctions? I mean, those, those are things, follow your curiosity. When you're 70 years old and you want to get back in the game and do something, earn a little extra money, my goodness, don't do something where you just have to trade your time for a little measly paycheck. Follow your curiosity. Follow your curiosity. What are the things you're naturally drawn to? You may be great at arranging flowers. You may be great at just a, you know, seating arrangement or coming up with creative little ways to, to generate interaction when people at our dinner party. There are people who pay to have you do that, where you come and set up and make the evening special. I mean, it may be that you um, do stained glass windows, you know, that you are a good artist, you know, that you're great at gardening or you know how to grow organic vegetables. You know how to cook um, vegetarian style. I mean, you don't have to just find something where there's a job posted. Follow your passion as a beginning and then find if you want to find an organization of some kind where that's already in place and you become part of their team, that's fine. But it's certainly also pretty easy these days to do something on your own, especially if you want it to be part-time to just generate part-time money. My goodness, if you found something you're really skilled at and you volunteered to, to be available for that for three days a month, it may do exactly what you want and generate more money than if you had a full-time job. Well, let me give you an update here. A couple of weeks ago, we had a note from Frank and he said um, he was working in his, um, the boss is his father-in-law's business partner and he was being verbally berated. Uh, boss came in and tore a shelf off his cubicle, started berating him, you know, a lot of verbal incidents. He was accused of things that weren't true. And then he was uh, given some kind of uh, suspension and he said, you know, what should I do? Been there for 11 and a half years, 53 years old. And I said, oh my gosh, you need to get out of there. You know, nobody's going to win in this situation. If you've got 11 year history of that and the situation hasn't changed, get out of Dodge City, get out of town. Well, I got a note from him uh, before the podcast aired. He says, Dan, I just was able to secure my amicable release from the company I was at for over 11 years. I received a FedEx and UPS package between receiving your newsletter where I addressed that. Turns out I already knew what you would say to me. It was time for me to leave. 
I'm sorry for the alarming question I sent last week, but I'm ready to look forward now. He says, I hope all goes well with you at the sanctuary because it's a very important place. Well, thanks, Frank, and thanks for your update. And we want another update when you use this period of time to create a positive transition, to move into something where it's not that kind of toxic, negative, angry, abusive culture. My goodness, life is just too short for that. You don't need to put up with that. There's too many opportunities out there. There's a uh, a piece going around, and I, I talked about it on last week's podcast, where a young guy who was homeless made up a creative sign. He said, I'm homeless. I'm hungry for success. Please take a resume. Hungry for success. Now, he had some pretty good things in his background. He'd been a web developer and all that, but things didn't work out as he had anticipated, and he ended up, they repossessed his van, and he was literally homeless. But as a result of being a little creative in how he presented himself, In a very short period of time, like three days, he had over 200 job offers, high-tech companies. I mean, just an amazing story. Companies are so desperate to have good people on board when you're in a transition like this, even if you came out of a position, Frank, where it wasn't a good party in other ways. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're glad you're gone and never want to see you again. It doesn't matter. Companies, companies don't go back and dig up all that kind of stuff. They may check references after they've made a decision to bring you on board. Rarely would they ever check in advance. They're going to base their decision on who they are, how they see your ability to contribute to the company and go forward. They know that a lot of things happen, but people are so desperate for people to come on board. I mean, here in Franklin, Tennessee, I mean, there are literally companies that are closing the doors because they cannot get people to come to work. Unemployment is so critically low. I mean, we have actually negative unemployment here, but uh, it's just impossible to get people to come to work. So especially in, in some of the trades like, well, like restaurants and car washes and things like that, just really difficult to get people to come to show up because there's nobody's out of work. I mean, they closed the career services place here in Franklin because nobody was showing up. Now, this was a government-funded facility to help those poor, unfortunate souls who were going through transition, who were unemployed. Nobody was coming in. They couldn't justify keeping the doors open, and they closed the place down. I think that's pretty telling. Now, I got an audio here from Edward, and this is the one where he talks about It's just a really short clip, 13 seconds long, but we're going to talk about this a little bit. What do you do if you feel guilty sharing your happiness of people around you aren't happy? Listen to this. How can I openly express, share happiness without the growth of guilt associated with seeing the empty eyes of others without? Okay, that's it. How can you get over the guilt of being happy when you look around at the eyes of other people who are not? Now, this is a common phenomenon around here in the 48 Days community. Because there's a whole lot of people who realizing their own unhappiness, their own angst, their own being in wrong situations, being mismatched, having pursued the wrong career in the early part of their lives, you know, all those things that all of a sudden lead us to a wake up call. But when those people figure it out, when they do take a real fresh look and identify their skills and abilities, their personality tendencies, their values, dreams, and passions from those, they get a clear sense of purpose and direction and going to the next season of their life. And all of a sudden, golly, they look forward to getting up in the morning. They get forward to engaging in work. 
money comes in three and four times what they were used to making often. And it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how close this was to me all the time. And now it's here. But here's what happens. What happens to those people who are still in the same situation you left a month ago, six months ago, a year? What about family members who are still really struggling? You know, it's not uncommon for those people who are closest to you to want you to stay the same way that you were. They don't want you to be different. They don't want you to have a great story of success to tell. Now, this is pretty tough to swallow sometimes, but there are a couple things that are very important here. And Edward, you can, these are the things I want you to, to just act on. One is, you may find that you need to set some boundaries around time spent with people who were your friends, who were closest to you previously, and actively seek out people who are going to be your cheerleaders, people who are already a little farther down the path than you are, who will be cheering you on rather than trying to hold you back. Now, the other thing is, with those people, there's a natural tendency You know, when we experience something, I mean, if you go to a a really great movie or you go to a wonderful restaurant, you want to share that with people. There's a natural tendency to do that. It's a very healthy tendency. So if you really experience success, let's say that you launched a course and all of a sudden, you know, in 48 hours, you made more money than you were making previously in a, a year because you launched a $97 course and golly, people just ate it up. I mean, I have, we've got lots of stories where literally that has happened. It may not be in everybody's best interest for you to go to dinner next Sunday with all the family and share all the details of that. You may not get the enthusiasm that you anticipated. You may need to just experience your happiness. Let it show in your face. Let it show in your demeanor, the spring in your step, the gleam in your eye. But they'll ask you about it over time and you can share bits and pieces. But I mean, in my own family, I mean, my goodness, you know, when my dad is used to making, you know, $8,000 a year on a good year on the farm. And I have siblings who are school teachers, you know, who never made more than maybe $35,000 a year. Am I going to bounce in the room and tell him I just got a $300,000 advance from Random House in my next book? Not a chance. There's no way for them to process that. It's so far out of their experiential world. And all I can do is create confused or resentful feelings. I don't do that. So I would encourage you to do the same. Make changes. Keep moving forward. Be around people who are enjoying your success. But don't feel like you have to share that with everybody that you come in contact with. I mean, you can... Allow your happiness to give you, again, the joy, the physical health and vitality, the spiritual uh, vibrancy that you want. Those people who see that, who recognize it and really want to know what's going on, they'll ask you and you can share things with them. But there are a whole lot of people that are pretty content to just live their life as they are now. There are a lot of people who are living in what I call comfortable misery. They know there's a better way. They know there are more options out there. 
but they aren't willing to do the work to explore them or to act on them. And so they just keep, you know, they, they really become pretty proud of just complaining about the way things are. And I know you know people like that. Golly, without being able to complain about the boss, the company, and how stupid the economy is and what the government is doing, I mean, what would they have to talk about? To remove all those things that uh, give them fodder for negative thinking and talking and acting, uh, there wouldn't be much left. So let them come at their own pace, and some of them will not choose to at all. And that's okay. You know, you don't have to convert people. You don't have to change their thinking. You know, change comes when people are ready. I mean, we hear the old adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. That's really true. Even in your own closest center of influence, your own family members, coworkers, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. When they're ready, they'll ask for it. Don't force your happiness on other people. I know it may be hard to do that, but the, the cool thing is, there's plenty of people out there who will share your happiness. Seek those people out. And if that means finding new people that you've not yet met, then make sure you put yourself in places where you're going to meet them. I mean, go to a BNI meeting, Business Network International, go to a Chamber of Commerce. You know, we've got a monthly podcasters meeting here in Nashville. It's a group of real, a really great group of excited people. Some of them are brand new in podcasting. They get together and talk about that. Last last um, Friday night, Joanna and I went to what's called the Art Crawl in Franklin. So they have one Friday night a month where artists show their artwork at businesses all over downtown Franklin. So it's usually like 20 different places where an artist has at least 10 pieces. And then they have refreshments there. It's a really fun thing to go into. I mean, go to that. You're going to meet people at an event like that who are upward thinking. People who are who realize creative ideas can be turned into real businesses, real viable businesses, and things that give you fulfillment and meaning in your life. So put yourself in situations like that. You're going to meet people very quickly who will be willing to share your happiness. Well, I love the question. I absolutely love the question. You know, there's a book in there somewhere. <laughs> I know, I know uh, Sean Aker has written a book on happiness, and there's certainly others out there. Listen to podcast just recently. It was actually, let's see, it was Donald Miller from StoryBrand who was interviewing Jenny Lim, who used to be with Zappos, but she was in charge of creating happiness at Zappos. And now she's branched off, has her own company delivering happiness. And she works with companies all over the world where she goes in, that's her task to create a happy environment. I love what she's doing. I love their whole approach to that. Incidentally, just as a quick aside here, and then we're going to jump into another question. But at Zappos, they really are known for the happiness culture that they have. I mean, Zappos, I heard somebody talking just recently. It was my former business coach, Scott Beebe. He was talking about his wife, Ashley, ordered some shoes for one of their children. Well, she ordered them. They came and she said, oh no, so disappointing because they really were a little small. They were what she ordered, but they were a little small. Well, she wrote back to the company, you know, told them. The next day, she got another pair of shoes the correct size. The next day. I mean, she hadn't even had time to think about sending the others back. 
They, that's just what they do. They deliver such amazing customer service. And if you ever talk to anybody there, you know, you'll recognize what kind of a culture they have. So this is the deal. This is what really impressed me as well. They have a five week training program at Zappos. So a new employee, five weeks of training. That's a really long period of time. I mean, you could do a General Motors and you aren't going to get that. It's a very long period of time, but they want people to be so intimately familiar with how they treat customers. And that is, they're not in the business of selling shoes. They're in the business of creating customer service like people have never experienced. But here's the kicker. They go through the screening process. They evaluate you. They hire you. They put you into a five-week training period. If at any point during the five weeks, you decide, eh, this really isn't for me. This is really a little over the edge. I don't think I want to work here after all. They will give you a handshake and $4,000. They will readily, everybody knows that. If you leave after you've been hired, you leave during the initial five-week training program, they'll give you $4,000. And you know what? They're getting ready to raise it to 5000 because they don't have enough people taking advantage of it. But I mean, what, how's that for commitment to the position once you're given the opportunity to know that anytime in the first five weeks, I mean, it can be day one. You can go to one day of training and say, oh, I made a mistake. They'll give you your 4,000 bucks. You can go all the way through five weeks of training and say, nah, I think I made a mistake. 5,000 bucks. Have a nice life. Well, interesting thing that people are doing to attract and keep good people. All right. Eric says, Dan, I'm a professional engineer working in a very niche industry. I was approached by a government power utility to speak on certain safety topics that pertain to my industry. There are very few people in the country that would be able to do this kind of thing. My question is, how do I price out this presentation? My typical bill rate is $150 an hour. Is it as simple as figuring out how long it will take to do the research and develop the presentation plus the time I'm doing the talk? The audience is going to be around 10 to 15 people. Is there a point where it's better to charge per attendee or just a fixed price no matter how many people are there? I believe there could be more opportunities like this or maybe even opportunity to develop an e-seminar or create other items such as safe working procedures for this power utility or other potential clients. I've not thought someone like me could make Swiss dollars that's my acronym, Swiss Dollars Sales While I Sleep Soundly. But it seems like that could become a reality if I can execute on this idea. Sorry for all the questions. Hope you can wade through this with me. I've been listening to your materials for years. In fact, your ideas were a primary motivator to me five years ago when I left my previous employer to go out on my own. Wow, cool. I don't know why people say I struck out on my own. <laughs> I didn't strike out on my own. I'm hitting it out of the park. Thanks for all you do. Oh, that's cool. Well, thanks for your note, Eric. No, when you're moving into doing a presentation like this, you are not calculating in any way, shape or form the hours that you're there. That's not the issue. It is the value of the content. And now you're presenting that content, things that you've developed as intellectual property that has value over your years of experience. I went, I went time had a real estate broker that wanted me to come in and do, I was at the time doing 
a three-hour workshop on leadership development, helping people go through the DISC profile and then really understand how they would likely lead most effectively. So it was a three-hour DISC debriefing, and I would allow up to 20 people in there. And it was $3,500. And I was doing that for companies like Deutsche Bank, General Electric, National Federation of Independent Business, Tennessee Department of Corrections, places like that. Anyway, a lot of fun, just a great, clean, straightforward three-hour seminar, $3,500. Well, this broker talked to me, real estate broker talked to me about it. And I said, sure, I'd be delighted to do it. You know, I laid out what it would look like. He said, how much? I said, it's $3,500. And he says, oh my gosh, you're making $1,100 an hour? Nobody makes that much. I said, Gary, his name was, I said, Gary, you're not paying me for three hours of my time. You're paying me for the 25 years of preparation it's taken me to be able to deliver the content that I have for you. I mean, it, you, and I want you, Eric, to totally get out of that mindset. When you speak, people who speak, I mean, people like Michael Port or Mark Sanford, you know, just people who are good speakers like that, who get twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars for a forty-five minute presentation. Again, they're not looking at they make that an hour. No, they may do that, you know, once a month. And obviously they're doing okay with that. But it's because of the value they bring in that period of time based on the experience, the research they've done and all. And that's the way you want to look at this. So if you're doing a presentation, it's not three times your hourly rate if you do a three-hour presentation. It's totally different from that. So you may, now depending on who your customer is here, but somebody who does a workshop, I mean, look at what other people do in workshops and seminars are doing. And you're going to find that a presentation like this usually going to be, even at the low end, at maybe $1,500. Now, as you move up, people who do high-level presentations on niche topics like this, it's going to be significantly more. But I would say, run that up the flagpole. You know, tell them, yeah, you'd be happy to do that. It's $1,500. Is that within your budget? Just open the discussion with that. But don't just say, gee, you know, what would it be worth to you? You know, don't go in very clear. This is what you know, it's $1,500. Is that within your budget? If they say, well, no, gee, we only budgeted $1,200 for this. Well, you can say, well, you know, that's, I, I value the relationship with you as a company. Sure, that's okay. Even if that's way more than you've ever earned in a three-hour period before. But this is a different positioning. This is a different animal when you go in and do this. You know, you, you need to connect with, uh, you've been in the 48 Days community long enough. You've certainly heard me talk about our friend Kent Julian. Kent is the pro in this arena. He has his annual workshop uh, paid to speak, where he helps people figure this out, how to present your content, what format it's going to be received best in, who is your audience, what are their typical budgets, and then how to present yourself with confidence and book yourself as a speaker. And he does that week after week after week. He's a master at uh, booking himself because he nurtures the relationships with the decision makers. So if you have a niche topic like this, it's going to be easy to find who are the decision makers, who are the companies or organizations where you would be a likely candidate to be brought in. Boy, that's, that, I mean, that's really cool. I mean, I love the fact that you're discovering this and that um, you're seeing these new opportunities come around. Awesome. That's the way it ought to go. You know, when you accumulate, a lot of times, I'm working with a gentleman right now. He's a really cool guy. He was born in Haiti. 
And so he has, he came to the United States and, you know, with poor parents, saw the opportunity to get an education, to move up. He's done that extremely well. He's, he's highly compensated construction project manager. However, that comes with a price. He's a widower. He has a little four-year-old son. And because of his job, it requires enormous hours every week, not only in the work itself, but in the commuting time to go to the projects that he's overseeing. Well, so the success he thought he wanted, he has achieved, but it trapped him in a work model that doesn't fit the kind of life he wants to live. I mean, what a cool thing to start seeing opportunities where we can leverage all the talent that he brings to the table, but how we could present it in different ways that give him time flexibility, reduced time requirements and increased income. We're right in that process right now. And oh my gosh, is it delightful to see his eyes light up as we talk about things that are right in front of his nose. He just needs to put legs on them and present them in ways that he's not been doing in the past. Well, hey, the end of another exciting time here. I love these times together. I remember our quotation from good old Abe Lincoln. Folks are usually about as happy as they make up their minds to be. And our call to action is choose to be happy this week. You'll be surprised how your body, mind, and spirit are going to reflect your happiness. They're going to catch up to what you've decided in your mind you're going to be. Well, thanks for being part of this growing group of people where we really do believe we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.